Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's joined by senior PFF analyst, Dwayne McFarlane. It is the freaking week three review show. You guys know what it is, why we're here, what we're here to accomplish. So Dwayne, happy week three. I'm cutting the intro short this week, man. <laughs> no, dude, it's good. Happy week three. Trey Sermon could be on my TV, so I, you could see me turn my head a lot. <laughs> I saw uh, Kyle Juszczyk got the first carry of the game, and I was like, oh, my God, this is this is where we're heading. We, we, we should have known this. this. Is, yeah. Is like this. A, yeah. Is this like a precursor of everything to occur in this game? It's hey, look, as long as Sermon's still healthy, we're good. pure madness all right everyone as always on this edition we are reviewing all the afternoon games so 49ers packers while it might be going on the corner of Dwayne's tv room we will not be directly breaking that down as always you can check out the tuesday edition of this podcast for waiver wire thoughts wednesday for a full breakdown of the games next week's and we got some more stuff that you know you can worry about then later in the week but staying in the moment we're going through all those afternoon games and Dwayne, let's start with the game where you and i and plenty of other fancy analysts in the industry so please get off our backs a little bit could not have been more wrong browns 26 bears six cleveland covers as seven and a half point favorites and the under hits at 45 so of course i am talking about justin fields and this chicago bears offense who man you know when i thought of all the ways this play could go wrong i'm not going to pretend like i thought it was a surefire 100 lock like nothing is in life but i didn't really anticipate one of the single worst team-wide offensive efforts in the history of american professional football and that's unfortunately what we got from matt Nagy, fields and the boys so i'm sure you'll have some you know good stats to help put it in proper context as uh, your twitter name implies a lot of times but basically people this was absolutely atrocious justin fields took nine sacks he was holding the ball all too long the few times he did get protection just three carries on the day he tried to take off and scramble a lot of times unfortunately miles garrett and his four and a half sacks were usually there to get him before too long so it's unfortunate the way this worked out it's not like we look past the browns defense as a complete nobody but when they had given up 33 of the chiefs 14 points to tyrod taylor and company in 20 minutes didn't seem like the sort of matchup that we should necessarily think is going to bring on this sort of atrocity but alas it did so apologies for you know being pretty what's the right word obnoxious on my old twitter feed about the few quarterbacks that you should be starting over fields but you know what that's what we rank that's what we go out on the limb and we will watch the film and get better as always so uh, we'll get more to the bears in a second i did want to point out some goodness happened on the Cleveland Browns side of things. Odell Beckham, I thought, looked great in his return to action. He actually could have had a nice 40-yard touchdown down the sideline. Unfortunately, Baker sailed it a little bit out of bounds. I thought, as a whole, Baker was just okay in this one. It wasn't as good as weeks one and two. But with that said, first game without Jarvis Landry, who we know is a very integral part of, you know, the way the Browns want to run this passing game, and the Bears defense was showing up. So Baker had a lovely touchdown to Austin Hooper down the scene that I'm sure is going to look borderline erotic on that coach's film when it comes out in a few days but other than that man it was this nick chubb kareem hunt controlling a game that the bears defense really never let get away from them for even a second so hopefully khalil mack and his foot injury isn't too much of a problem but otherwise everyone seemingly made it out alive matt Nagy did say that fields may have an injured hand after the game fields came out afterwards and said it's fine so Dwayne, thoughts on the atrocity that was justin fields in his first career stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, these things, these things happen. Um, you know, he just wasn't able to get things going on the ground, but it wasn't because they didn't have intentions of it. He was set up for 17% of their design rushing plays, which we want to be around 20% the magic number. The thing that really didn't work out. And I think he was actually trying to begin to scramble 
But it's like Miles Garrett was chasing his ass down, yeah. like before he could ever get going. Um, so he only scrambled on three percent. You know, I'm sure that number would have been more like fifteen percent if he could have just got out of the pocket. Exactly. Um, so that was a killer um, because those scrambles are worth more yards per carry than the design rushes typically. You know, so that's where you would expect to see Fields in the seven to ten yards per carry range. So if all those you know, say half of those sacks, he got sacked nine times. Now this is including penalties. It may have been eight. There might've been one taken off the board. I can't remember. But if one, if half of those, you know, are about to be scrambles, you know, and that turns into 35 yards rushing instead of the sacks, like it just, it changes the narrative. But look guys, like Fields was terrible. The offense was terrible. Um, his adjusted completion percentage, which means getting rid of drops, getting rid of all the crap you shouldn't count against the quarterback, basically 33% Ian. And that's where I'll start on the bears. Like if you look at Allen Robinson, 33% target share, man, 67% of the air yards targets per route run 24%. So like, those are all great. Guess how many of his passes were catchable? 29%. So (laughs) one out of, Three and a half balls, basically, that he was thrown, you know, was catchable. So that's really bad. But it can only, here's what I'll say, guys. It can only get better. Yes. It can only get better for Fields. So let's, you know, I don't want to overreact too much, but yes, it was really, it was bad. It was bad. So, and look, hey, I galaxy, I galaxy brained some stuff in um, DFS today with, with Fields. I didn't stack him with anybody. I went naked, but I actually had a ton of, a couple of other quarterbacks early in the week that, Worked out great. Like, and the ownerships worked out great, and I got off of them, and I went with Phil's just to try to get a little more salary, and I essentially, I hate myself. <laughs> but Odell Beckham Jr., uh, 64% of the snaps, but 85% of the routes, yeah, Ian. Yeah. Um, and when they really needed him out there, he was out there 100% of the time in the two-minute offense, 34% of the targets, 55% of the air yards, 2.20 yards per route run. So, yeah, Odell Beckham Jr. in business. Nothing else really hit there. Same stuff with the backs, but Beckham looking great. Love that we got OBJ back. That was the one, you know, concern. Just how is he going to look in this first game back? People, he looked you know, back to the guy he looked like last year and the year before. And we're hoping that with Baker bringing a better version and having just more targets with Landry sideline, that will give us a better fancy version of who we saw a year or two before. Only thing I'll add, Dwayne, is, you know, I I don't want to quite, quite make it this, you know, poor Allen Robinson storyline. He wasn't exactly breaking free on a lot of these, but I don't even know if it was his fault. To me, I want to point the sword at Matt Nagy because on some of these plays, man, the Browns just like they could not have cared less about the potential threat of a deep pass. It seemed like they knew exactly what was coming. I mean, Robinson, one of the best route runners in the game, just couldn't get Denzel Ward, who's a great corner in his own right, but he couldn't get these cornerbacks off him in any sort of semblance of the way we're used to seeing that work. So I'm kind of with you more so inclined to... Not completely throw it out. I still think Fields will be a top 15, uh, top 16 quarterback for us in right matchups here moving forward. But it's still a situation where, yeah, not too much. Good to say, takes us to our PFF Lily matchup stat. And because of sacks, which count against team passing yards, people, you sitting there at home, you listening to this podcast, maybe you're in your car, maybe you're working out, whatever. The Bears only threw for one more yard than you did uh yesterday because yeah one total yard people 67 yards taken in sacks fields had 68 total passing yards the only games with fewer total yards than the bears had which in this game were 47 since the new millennium the browns had 47 total yards in the 2004 game and the 2002 texans had 47 yards in another game just absolutely miserable so so if this was like jimmy fallon i would be like 
Thank you, Chicago Bears offense, for allowing me to think I should try out for an NFL quarterback <laughs> next year. Pretty much, you know, and you know, gonna seal it and send it. <laughs> and uh, let's hope we never have to talk about that offensive performance again, or at least for a couple of days. Moving right along, Bills forty-three, Washington football team twenty-one. Looked like the Bills were gonna storm out ahead of this one. Washington did make it close for at least a little bit before things once again got out of hand. Bills covered easily as a seven and a half point favorite. The over hit at forty-five and a half. People. If you're worried about Josh Allen, now you can relax. He looked fantastic out there. Four touchdowns, also chipped in one on the ground. And I mean, really from the first drive of the game, you could just tell that we were looking at the 2020 version of Josh Allen once again. Fired two touchdowns to Emmanuel Sanders, one to Dawson Knox, one to Zach Moss. The first one in particular to Manny Sanders was just vintage Allen rolling out to his right, making a throw that, you know, only five guys on this planet probably can, putting it right where it needed to be. So great game from Josh Allen. And honestly, people, I think my biggest takeaway from this is that Stefan Diggs is now the prime by low wide receiver if he was not already because okay the numbers weren't great six catches 62 yards that's fine it's not what you wanted when you drafted Diggs as a top five receiver but people he was inches away from a 60 yard touchdown Josh Allen was taking a hit it's just a throw we would have liked him to make he's Diggs had the separation, could have missed 60 yards score. Then he had another shot play shortly thereafter where, man, it hit his fingertips. I don't want to ever accuse Stefan Diggs of dropping a pass, you know, because he catches pretty much everything that's, you know, even close. But this one, you know, again, I don't think it was a drop. It was just out of his reach, but man, was it close. So just realize, people, I think if one of those near touchdowns comes to fruition, we're talking about a much different story with Stefan Diggs entering week four. So I got a good, uh, you know, PFF Louis staff for later with Stefan Diggs, a little foreshadowing there to talk about the workload he's getting. But just realize, like, nothing about Stefan Diggs on the field has indicated that he's not going to go on and have some of the sort of positive aggression that we're hoping for here moving forward. Only other points I will make. Uh, Taylor Heineke wasn't good by any stretch. Two really brutal interceptions, but we did see some of the flashes again. The touchdown of Logan Thomas at the end was truly great and also saw a couple nice connections with Terry McLaurin. So the sexy stat I got to trot around last week was since 2020, minimum 100 dropbacks, including playoffs. Heineke was number one in big-time throw rate and turnover-worthy play rate. Now, we saw the turnover-worthy plays rear their ugly heads a bit here, but we still did see Heineke, you know, take the short of... Take the sort of chances downfield that I think will make this offense better than your usual shitty backup quarterback moving forward. So good stuff from Heineke. And Dwayne, Antonio Gibson got one target that he turned into a 73-yard touchdown. And his second target should have been another touchdown. Unfortunately, our guy dropped it. The collegiate wide receiver couldn't quite come down with the second target. But it was at least nice to see Antonio Gibson get that house call on a lovely run. So, Dwayne, what here sticks out uh, to you the most? I'm guessing a lot of it has to do with the Washington backfield. Uh, some, but man, the Bills backfield. Zach Moss took over today, Uh-oh. took the lead. 56% of the snaps versus 43% for Singletary. Uh, was in a route 50% of the time versus 44% for Singletary. Um, rushing attempts, 45% to Moss, 38% to Singletary, uh, 10% to Mitchell Trubisky, 7% to Josh Allen. What's this? This is the second week in a row with this Mitchell Trubisky thing. Like, either, our, like, I don't know what's going on. He's just here. taking anyway. kneels. He's just taking kneels at the end of the game. <laughs> That's what I was yeah. wondering. Like, is this just kneels? Anyway, um, long down in distance, 71% to Moss, 21% to Singletary. And Singletary's been the passing down back, if anything, all of this time. So, all of this to say, 100%. One more thing, 100% of the two-minute offense went to Zach Moss. 
Zero percent to Devin Singletary. Ooh. And I went and checked. I was like, did Singletary get hurt? And maybe he did get dinged up, but he was still playing later in the game. Because, I, you know, when I see this kind of stuff, I'll go, like, click some later drives and, like, see if I see the player's name. That's kind of like my quick cheat code, like, to say, okay, were they just missing a bunch of time? And I clicked through most of the drives. I saw Singletary on most of them. So... I don't know what to say about it. I feel like it's just a backfield we can't trust right now, Ian. But I do believe that Zach Moss needs to probably be rostered um, at this point. At this time last week, I'd have been like, eh, I don't really care if you if you roster Zach Moss or not, right? Devin Singletary probably belonged on a roster. So I just bring that up. Um, you already hit on Diggs. So, yeah, Antonio Gibson, I mean, look, it just – it still just is what it is. I know he scored, you know, the touchdown and he housed it, but his pass blocking grade today for the second week in a row was terrible, 30.7. Um, you know, he handled 65% of the rushing attempts, which is great, but 0% of the long down distance, 0% of the two-minute offense. And, oh, by the way, I adjusted my long down and distance um, the way I'm pulling my data on it because I went back and did some more research. Usually I tweak it each year, and I was like, you know what, I need to go back and make sure I got it right for this year. So it now includes actually – Third and fourth down and third uh, three yards or more. It used to just be seven yards or more. So actually like third or fourth down and third and six, you know, three to six yards to go. Sorry, it's totally screwing that up. <laughs> third or fourth down, three to six yards to go is also now part of long down and distance because last year, 89% of the time, the NFL passed on those downs. So it's, it's close. It's 92% for, you know, seven yards or more to go on third and fourth down. So I've got all that in there. And it's still not. And you know what? I kind of did it because I was like, is there a way I can help Antonio Gibson? I feel like Antonio Gibson owners or uh, sorry, managers, rosterers need love. They need love, Ian. And I was just looking for a way and I still can't do it. Zero percent long down distance, zero percent two minute offense. So um, it kind of is what it is. J.D. McKissick owned all that work. It's unfortunate that we're not getting this receiving work. As we saw, Antonio Gibson is still someone that's flirting with 15 touches per game. He's going to make great plays. He's a great player. He's not someone that, you know, I, I saw some start-sick questions today that I thought were borderline offensive uh, to Gibson, the type of guys that were being grouped in with him. He should still be starting in the vast, vast majority of lineups week in and week out, people. Just realize... He's still an RB2. Yeah, that's all. It's just not the top five guy we were hoping he'd become. Maybe it happens... Probably need J.D. McKissick to take a chill pill before then. PFF Lily Stat is with the Stefan Diggs volume because in 2020, people, he led the NFL with 166 targets in 16 games. Stefan Diggs, current 16-game target pace for 2021, 165. Same role, same offense. Josh Allen had a little bit of a slow start to the year. He is going to be just fine. If you have any league mates panicking people, go buy Stefan Diggs in a hurry. Next game, Ravens beat the Lions 19-17. Detroit covered as an eight-point dog under 51. Dwayne, I have so many mad people in my mentions because I mocked the uh, Justin Tucker. Ridiculous 66-yard game-winning field goal stating that it should be worth zero points in your fantasy leagues because your fantasy leagues shouldn't have kickers to begin with. A lot of people were mad about that. Hey, Justin Tucker, great freaking job, man. Obviously, that dude is a king among kicker pawns, whatever the hell you want to call them. Anyway, Mark Andrews, 100-plus yards. DeAndre Swift and uh, Jamal Williams each found the end zone. Solid enough games. No, Jamal did lose a goal line fumble, but, man, DeAndre Swift's receiving usage continues to look good. I mean, we're seeing his reception and target totals right up there with true number one receivers across the league. Khalif Raymond, unfortunately, was the number one receiver of choice this week over Quintez Seaf. 
Cephas. So that one's a little bit unfortunate. I didn't see anything about Cephas being injured, but one of those things that we'll need to check on as the week progresses. Obviously, this offense is just pretty tough to get a hold on aside from Swift at the moment. We would assume more weeks than not, TJ Hawkinson will join Swift as someone that we can rely on. That was not today, though. Just two catches for 10 yards on only two targets. Certainly disappointing for Hawk, but Dwayne, the big story here, other than the game-winning field goal, uh, right when we trusted him, right when we gave him the freaking benefit of the doubt, Hollywood Brown, I did not get eyes on this game yet, but to my knowledge, man, it was at least two drop touchdowns, and I believe there's a third chunk play dropped as well. So his 10-game streak of at least 80 yards and or a touchdown came to an end in a bad way in this one. Sucks to see, you know, Lamar Jackson from our early PFF numbers had six big-time throws in this one, and he truly had a great game that unfortunately just wasn't reflected as well as we would have liked to on the stat sheet. So credit to Lamar, 36-yard completion to Sammy Watkins at the end of the game to get Tucker even in that position to win the game. Unfortunately, Marquise Brown made things a little bit tougher on the offense as a whole. So, Dwayne, those are my main notes from this one uh can you please explain why in the absolute hell tyson williams only had five carries yeah man i can't uh it, it's a it looks like a mess though um i mean he handled half the snaps he handled but only 29 percent of the rushing attempts 41 of the 41 percent went to latavius murray uh obviously lamar jackson got his which was only 12 percent which i would have thought in this game lamar might be closer to like 20 percent you know what i mean um but De uh, devonta freeman got a little bit more work this week as well at 18 percent. so it's just kind of a mess i think we're just gonna have to avoid this backfield for now uh we thought that hey at least tyson would be you know in that 40% range of touches every week um, in an offense that runs the ball all the time and in good matchups, you could, you could probably use that. So that's, he, he was a major disappointment today in fantasy. Um, Marquise Brown, I was actually watching that game. So he did have um, two drops, but two of them were on him. One of them was a tip at the last second okay. by the DB. That's so fair. nothing he could really do about it. I mean, I'm literally right at him too. Not, not enough time to actually see the ball deflect and then react. It was like a boom, boom kind of play. And that one was in the end zone. It was a great throw by Lamar. I mean, it was a, it was a BB, but it just, it great play by the DB. So, um, but Brown, I mean, he was still out there, you know, enough. Um, and his target share was 22%, but we did see our guy, Mark Andrews, you know, who um, is somebody that I've really been touting, telling people, look, go by low, go by low, go by low. 26% of the targets, um, you know, he had over 100 yards today. So Andrews looked really good. Hawkinson was fine, folks. Look, you just can't, you're not going to get to, you know, be in the top five tight ends every single week. You're going to eventually put up a stinker and it's okay. If people want to freak out about it, you can, you know, see if you can kick the tires on it. You know, I know people make fun of this on Twitter. They're like, oh, a guy had a bad lane game. Is he a buy low candidate? I'm like, Actually, yes. Do you know how much recency bias people have? Like people are insane with recency bias. So I always kick the tires on anything like that. If I think I've got an owner um, or sorry, another manager in the fantasy league that, you know, is is likely to, to be an overreactor. Um, the only other thing I'll say, man, Swift, a 92.4 on his receiving grade, 57 percent in targets per route run. So basically when he runs a route, half the time they're going to target him 28% target share. 
second on the team today. 4.29 yards per route run for a running back in this economy? Yeah, come on. <laughs> there it is. That's the thing with Swift, man. Like, it's not just that he's getting the usage. Like, if you just watch this dude play for five minutes, you're like, why is he not getting even more of it? Because when he has that ball in the open field, special things happen. You mentioned the Lamar rushing total. Only seven carries in this one. But, Dwayne, on the season, it just doesn't matter. We are still looking at one of the biggest cheat codes in fantasy football this year, people are rushing yard leaders. Number one is Derrick Henry with 353 yards rushing. Joe Mixon's in second at 286. Nick Chubb in third at 262. And Lamar Jackson in fourth with 251 rushing yards. Just absolutely crazy. David Montgomery and Chris Carson and Christian McCaffrey, for now, are the only other guys with over 200 rushing yards. That is the, you know, just dual threat excellence that Lamar Jackson brings to your fantasy football lineups each and every week. Next matchup, we had the Chargers taking down the Chiefs 30-24. L.A. covers at six-and-a-half-point dogs, under hits at 55. Wasn't able to get eyes on this one. At PFF, we have this, like, octo box of TVs of, you know, is usually like nine games going on in the early slate. So each little square on the TV has a different game. And on the other side of the room was Chargers Chiefs. So while PFF Eric like was swiveling his chair back and forth the whole time, I was trying to just focus on four at once to get the most out of it. So with that said, Mike Williams continued to look like a beast. Saw him coming down with his fair share of contested goodness. Nice bounce back game from Clyde Edwards-Alaire, albeit he did have the uh, fumble that was turning a lot of people off early on. And and Travis Kelsey with another casual 100-yard performance. But, man, how about Justin Herbert just taking it to Mahomes and company in Arrowhead? Another brilliant performance from him. Four touchdowns on the day, 281 yards. Keenan Allen caught one. Austin Eckler caught one. And Mike Williams had two. So, Eckler really did have another just great day in fantasy land. 55 rushing yards, 52 receiving. With the touchdown on top of that, going to be getting tougher and tougher in full PPR. People to get him out of the top five if he isn't there already. And that's about all I got, Dwayne, from just kind of scouring over the box score here. Real quick, a little bit of a disappointing game from Tyreek Hill. Five catches, 56 yards. Uh, I don't. I would like to think there's not going to be Tyreek Hill managers freaking out about this, you know, many two-week dip. As you said, though, Dwayne, someone in your group chat happens to be worried about Tyreek Hill. Go ahead and make a play for the guy. But I don't think you all out there need us to tell you that Tyreek will be just fine. So, Dwayne, what stuck out to you here and why is it Clyde Edwards-Alaire not being in the doghouse? Yeah, so, I mean, Edwards-Alaire, actually a positive development today. He did handle 78% of the two-minute offense, which we haven't seen. And he basically split the long down and distance work with Daryl Williams. Now, of course, anytime Clyde Edwards-Alaire collects anything good, he has to give away something good. <laughs> so he gave away the short down and distance. 25% of those snaps went to him. 75% went to Daryl Williams. But still, I like Edwards-Alaire better in that kind of a mold, Ian. If he can stay out there when the team's throwing the ball more, guess what the Chiefs do 70% of the time? Throw the ball. That can help keep Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the field. So this is actually an encouraging data point. I think we need to see another one because we did. they did this to us last year. We would think we'd start to get our you know arms around a trend with the Chiefs backfield, and then it would just totally change. Now, there were a lot of injuries up and down last year, specifically with CEH himself. So we'll have to keep an eye on it, but I would say it is one encouraging data point, something definitely I'll be pointing out and digging into a little bit further for the utilization report tomorrow when I write that up. Um, Nicole Hardman, lowest routes per uh, for the year. Demarcus Robinson, it looks like he may be moving ahead of him. They've really been trying to give Hardman his chances. And it's just not working. And I, they could just be coming to the conclusion that he's a gadget player. So they're going to use him as a gadget player. And they're not going to try to have him on the field all the time in three wide receiver sets, which they had been doing previously. Just real quick on Eckler. Man, 
you are right. It's going to be really hard to keep him out of the top five because if he's if he stays at this, 55% of the rushing attempts today for the season, I projected him at 40, which he had never been higher than 30%. Like, you know, even just if you just prorated for the games that he was available to play in his career, like it's going to put him in the Alvin Kamara conversation because he's 63% of the times he's in a route. So Kamara's magic number over the years has been 65% of routes and 40% of attempts. And when you get that, if you're a good player, which Eckler is, it's typically a top five finish. So it is going to be really, really hard, um, like you said, to keep Eckler um, out of the top five, 21% targets per route run and 15% target share. And, oh, Justin Herbert, we talked about this. Last week, he got a little screwed by the refs, told everybody, just be calm. Like, he hadn't scored great yet, kind of like Josh Allen, but the underlines looked really good. And, of course, he popped for all of it today, had a really nice day. Yeah, Austin Eckler, 60% of the time, works every time. PFF, Lily, matchup stat. Justin Herbert, 18 career starts. This man has surpassed 300 passing yards and or scored three touchdowns in 15 of those games, people. That is just an absurd floor that you don't see much around the league. I mean, look at all these rookie quarterbacks this year. Pick one and they are struggling. We just haven't seen that from Justin Herbert. He had a brief downstretch towards the end of last season when he had to face like Vic Fangio and Bill Belichick in the course of two to three weeks. After that, nothing except pure Goodness, keep firing up. Herbert, Mike, Keenan, Eckler. We're talking about legit high-end options absolutely everywhere. Dwayne, real quick before we move on. I mean, Mike Williams, man, this usage isn't going <laughs> away. I know we were kind of waiting for it, but hell, I think we've reached the point, man. He's got to be in that top 20. Yeah, yeah, he has to be. And he and Herbert, man, they've just got they've got great chemistry going right now. And he's 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 total. He's a total mismatch all the time down inside the ten. Like I mean, he's he's dominating the looks. Keenan Allen did get a touchdown today. Um, it was a nice throw in the end zone to Keenan Allen. But man, Mike Williams is, uh, dude. We could be talking about him. Like it's like keeps creeping up. Like before it was like okay, he's a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. Well now this week he's a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside. Next week is it just well he's a wide receiver one. <laughs> That's just what he is. Slowly but surely getting there. I love it. Keep on balling, big Mike. Next game, we had the Titans take down the Colts 25 to 16. Tennessee covered as four and a half point favorites. The under hit at 47 points. Uh, notable sheesh from this one, Michael Pittman broke open down the middle and had a better ball, was a better ball away from scoring about a 10, 15 yard touchdown. Unfortunately, Carson Wentz sailed it. Critics can say that a safety had a hand on Pittman, which kind of messed up the timing. But, you know, if you watch Carson Wentz today, I think you would quickly realize he didn't exactly earn the benefit of the doubt. And I guess that was like my whole kind of question going into this one, Dwayne. I'm not going to pretend like I'm this, you know, genius better all the time or anything like that but to me like how were the titans not getting more respect facing a colts team that okay as a team they're fine but we already know wentz is a complete wild card when healthy and now when you take away arguably his best skill like i don't know he's able to move the ball around i was talking on the pre uh nfl show today and i was saying what if there's like a galaxy brain idea here where carson wentz when he can't move actually works from more within the confines of the offense. He gets the ball out on time instead of doing all this crazy stuff that has usually been dooming him over the past two years. And yeah, it was Galaxy Brings. It didn't freaking exist. That's not what happened, people. Overall, 19 for 37, 194 scoreless yards. Only took two sacks in this one. That's an improvement. But man, this one was rough. It just seemed like more plays than not. Like Wentz couldn't get away from pressure the same way he could before. So he almost like saw less terrible throws downfield. Instead, they were just going a couple feet in front of him, usually into the turf. 
Unfortunately, this was an early uh, game that got some tears out of me. Our guy, A.J. Brown, they wanted him to get going so bad. They threw him a screen on the first play of the game. They gave him a freaking designed rush attempt shortly thereafter. And right after that, he left the game with a hamstring injury, did not return. Absolutely devastating. We will see how AJB recovers from that. Until then, Julio Jones is obviously going to get that bump. Uh, Quentin Nelson on the Colts side of the ball suffered a high ankle sprain. Uh, that freaking sucks. We're going to have to see how he progresses from that. Apparently, the x-rays are negative, but certainly seems like something that could keep him on the shelf for an extended period. And we also had Quiddy Pay. I'm sure I'm just messing up that name a million times over, but the Colts. I always want to think of Conway Twitty. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, anyway. man. Anyway, he has a hamstring <laughs> and injury, and we will see uh, when he gets back to action. So uh, just other weird notes. Uh, Derek Henry had a quiet 144 total yards, just par for the course for this guy. 18 first half touches, and it just felt like, oh, yeah, it's Derek Henry doing his normal thing. Continue to see him fairly involved in the passing game. Another three catches. That's all we need, Dwayne. We've been talking about it. We don't need six or seven per week. Just give us two or three targets per game. That's improving from what we've had in the past. Even though Derrick Henry had 31 touches, he was not responsible for any of the Colts touchdowns, or Titans touchdowns, excuse me. Who were responsible for those, you ask? Well, I'm happy you did. Nick Westbrook, Akini, Jeremy McNichols, and Chester Rogers. Now, like, what the hell? I know. Just... Weird thing the Titans do, man. I feel like they're complimentary. Tight ends, receivers score more touchdowns than just about any other team. This was just life in the big city in this one. So Tannehill, you know, two interceptions weren't great, but hey, managed to find the end zone three times and chipped in 56 rushing yards. People don't forget he was a collegiate wide receiver at Texas A&M, but you see him take off and run, and you do remember that overused fact. Uh, Dwayne, I'll set you up with this. Jonathan Taylor, man. I went back to the well with him on DraftKings this week after he tore my heart out last week, and uh, we just got to redo the entire cycle. Marlon Mack was a healthy scratch, and it just didn't matter. Let the people know what happened. Yeah, man, I think it's just kind of like Antonio Gibson. I think at this point, like, we have to stop trying to wish these things into existence. You know, it is what it is. Um 56% of the rushing attempts, he's going to get the majority of the rushing attempts. But I mean, last week he was almost up at 70%. This week you had Naheem Hines getting more involved rushing, 33%, played 100% of the two-minute offense, 64% of the long down and distance. So it's just a split backfield. That's that's what it is. And so I think we just have to kind of move on and just know that Jonathan Taylor is an early down back that's not going to really be that involved in the receiving game, except every once in a while. They may try to design some things for him, but they're not consistently doing it. They did it week one, did not do it week two, did not do it week three. They're not trying to get him a lot of screen balls. I don't really get it, to be honest. I still think, you know, if I were them, um, and, and I'm not. But I would center more of my passing offense, you know, around trying to at least get him a few balls in the screen game or something, right? Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just going to be a problem. It's going to frustrate people. Um, but what you're hoping for with Jonathan Taylor is that he is Derrick Henry because we saw Derrick Henry last week actually get the passing role. He didn't have it today. He didn't play any of the two-minute offense, didn't play any of the long down and distance. So that little thing that we saw, we were like, oh, we'll keep an eye on this. Doesn't matter, you know. Um, Derrick Henry didn't get it. So that's Taylor's path, right? You need the game scripts to stay right. You need um, you need the offensive line healthy. Quentin Nelson left on a part. So I don't know if we've heard, and I'm sorry if I missed it. Um, I was trying high, to look at yeah, this Yeah, I was saying high, high ankle sprain. X-ray is negative, yeah. but, you know, sounds like it's going to be a short-term absence at a minimum. 
Yeah, so that's a problem. Um, the positive for the game is Michael Pittman. Um, I didn't know that he missed that uh, touchdown, but 35% target share, man. <clears throat> like, it doesn't really get any better. So it looks like he really is the alpha there. Um, so it doesn't really matter who who's, who's under center. He's going to be the main guy. Julio Jones, man, It's I think it's just, I guess it's over. I mean, 15% target share with A.J. Brown out. Only out there for 82% of the routes with A.J. Brown leaving the game early. Yeah, I think it was just um, a weird game, man. I don't know. But it's but it's three games, really, now, where we we would have hoped for more from Jones in every game, the way that it's set up and the matchups that we saw. So Julio was definitely on the decline coming into this year, and his age was at that point where you can definitely hit a cliff. So if you can get out from under him by any means just on name cachet, I would absolutely try to trade him to another fantasy manager that, you know, if they're interested, I would move on from Julio Jones. Um Maybe you can spin this. Well, A.J. Brown's going to be out for two or three weeks. He's going to be a target hog um, thing. And then you can listen to me, and then he'll blow up for next week, and then you can, you know, at me on Twitter and tell me how much you hate me. Julio had 140 and a touchdown last week. No, I know. No, I know. I get it. But I just looking at, like, all of his underlines, like, it's just not good, man. It's not the kind of stuff that supports – um, you know, even a wide receiver two, like he's borderline wide receiver three and it's iffy. It's going to be iffy every week with where he's sitting. So I do wonder if this Titans offense has almost been built to enable these wide receivers that aren't getting the volume we usually want to, but they are still producing that high end. Like look at AJ Brown and Corey Davis, man. Like they were really putting up the numbers on less targets than we would have preferred. But I think because of all the play action, the more downfield usage things are working it's out. It's not for so much the targets I worry about with Julio. It's that they're they're keeping him around the eighty percent route mark, right? So you're already in what you just talked about, a conservative offense, and now you're out there even less. Um, it's just bothersome, like for me. Like he's out there on long down and distance and stuff like that, where you know they want to throw the ball. Well, even then, only seventy five percent of the plays today. Like that's like really Julio Jones is not out there when you know you have to throw. Like I don't, you know, that's kind of crazy. I'm just saying, we got the Jets and the Jaguars next. If A.J. Brown's going to be sidelined, are you really going to be able to rank like more than 15 or 16 guys ahead of Julio? I will. Um, I know you won't. <laughs> but look, I, look, I'm not going to – I mean, he's a wide receiver three. That's okay. what he is to me right now. Um, and will he have some wide receiver two weeks? Yeah. But he's also an old player that – how long is he going to be able to stay healthy through the season? And we're, I feel like we're, and maybe that's what they're just trying to do is just manage, manage the work, manage the workload. Oh my God. Yeah. So anyway, he didn't even get to 80% of the routes today. I was actually on Westbrook. I don't even know how to say his last name. West. Let's just call him Westbrook. Come on. Westbrook. <laughs> we'll learn it. We'll learn it. Um, so yeah, Julio was only out there for 55% of the routes today. Like that's insane. So, uh, and maybe they pulled him into the game. I'll dig into it more tomorrow for the utilization report, but like just off the top, like it, it's not looking good and it's a trend. Um, so I'm concerned. Okay. Okay. Fair points, Dwayne, but I do like to push back a little bit. I, I don't like when the podcast no, no, is just you and me should. agreeing uh, one time after another. So this isn't the last of our uh, Julio positional ranking uh, argument. We'll get to that <laughs> a little bit more later. PFF Lily stat for this one. Everyone, everyone was calling for Derek, not really everyone, but a lot of people were calling for Derrick Henry to fall off a cliff this year, saying he had had too many touches, wasn't going to keep it going. People, after three weeks, his 17-game pace is to rush for 2,000.3 yards on 521 total touches. So can he keep that workload? I don't know, but the Titans certainly seem like they're going to find out 
what will happen. So Derrick Henry, someone that, you know, people were trying to get out of the top five fantasy RBs. He is going nowhere as long as he is a candidate to see 30 touches during any given week. Next game, we had the Falcons take down the Giants 17 to 14. ATL covered as three-point dogs under hit at 48. Just another disappointing loss in the Giants, a game they should not have lost. I mean, for Matt Ryan, they were down 14 to seven. Like the Giants were in control of this game seemingly for most of the afternoon. And Matt throws a brutal end zone interception, but no, it wasn't an interception. The Giants dropped it. Lee Smith catches a touchdown a couple plays later. So I think there's even another uh, would-be interception that Ryan had that he got left off the hook. So certainly not turning, you know, a corner on Matt Ryan or this Falcons offensive efficiency in general. But hey, 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 everyone. Cordero Patterson over 100 total yards. You know, some guys are just good at the game. We're going to need to look at this, you know, Projected usage moving forward because uh, Kyle Pitts had three total targets in this one. Calvin Ridley had 11. Uh, CPAT had seven. I would not expect Patterson to be the number two receiver in this offense more weeks than not. But hey, clearly they like getting him the ball and good things have happened this year. I mean, he stiff-armed a fool of the ground. He had a nasty juke they must have shown about 40 times on the replay uh, earlier in the game. Just making good things happen. So love when CPAT can make his plays. But yeah, the Kyle Pitts usage was the biggest uh, kind of issue. I don't think you guys first target to about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter you know credit to him for getting uh one of the game clinching uh big gains that 25 yard catch there at the end he also drew a defensive pass interference penalty in the end zone so finally in the fourth quarter they decided to start throwing him the ball and it worked out for him hopefully they'll you know use their number four overall pick as a bigger piece of the offense moving forward who would have thought but yeah that was the main things from the falcons calvin ridley Eight catches, 61 scoreless yards, another fairly disappointing day. They're feeding them, people. Touchdowns are going to come. I think we're going to get the blow up eventually. But in this 2021 version of the Falcons offense, maybe we can't quite expect the same quest, race, whatever you want to call it, for that overall wide receiver one spot. I still think Ridley finishes top 12 by the time everything's said and done. Just not sure if we need to maybe take a little bit of a step back from the top five treatment. Um, on the other side of the ball, popular streamer Daniel Jones sure as hell outperformed Justin Fields, but wasn't exactly a great day in his own right. 266 scoreless yards, 39 rushing yards on the ground. Wasn't bad. Like, didn't have an interception. Uh, he only had two fumbles. I say only two because it seems like this dude puts the ball on the ground five times per week. So I guess not, that's not good. He did have multiple. But either way, we did still continue to see you know, some goodness here. There's CJ Board, because CJ Board's a thing. Had a nice 38-yard dime from him. Kenny Galladay, a couple cool contested catches that I think uh, Danny did a good job putting the ball where it needed to be. And life wasn't easy for him. The reason I'm talking about CJ Board is because both Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard had to depart with hamstring injuries. The Giants also lost their linebacker, Blake Martinez, with a knee injury. So, Dwayne, let's start things off on the Giants' side of the ball. Um, that, you know, explains why we saw all the funky wide receiver usage. I'm, I'm sure that you were wondering about on the uh, utilization stuff, but let's talk about the man returning to RB1 production. One, sir, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, man, it was great for Barkley. 86% of the snaps, 80% of the routes, 71% of the rushing attempts, 100% of the short down and distance, 77% of the long down and distance, 100% of the two minute offense. Ooh. Eat your heart out, Jonathan Taylor. 22% targets per route run and 22% of the team's targets, which was number one on the team. Just ahead of Kenny Galladay at 19% and one Colin Johnson 
former Jaguar at 19%. So yeah, man, Saquon had a great day. Nothing but good things coming for Barkley. He's just going to get healthier and healthier. So if you drafted him in the second round, you are on the verge of having an every week top five back, um, minus the occasional just really bad Giants game, which is going to happen probably. But overall, the offense, you know, doesn't look terrible. And they're running a lot of, they're running more plays than normal, Ian. I mean, they ran 70 plays in this game. Like that, like... That's like really steaming it up for a guy like Jason Garrett. So that's that's another positive. Real quick on the Falcon side, don't lose faith in Kyle Pitts, folks. Remember, I had to talk everybody off the ledge last week with Mark Andrews. It's going to come. 84% of the snaps, 88% of the routes. Okay? Yes, he did not get the targets today, but he's going to be the number two target in this offense. I do think Patterson is here to stay as a mix-in option as well, and he's going to have his weeks. But Patterson's usage utilization didn't really change. You know, I mean, he's out there for roughly, you know, 40% of the snaps. He's going to be out there for roughly 40% of the passing downs, um, but they are designing things for him. I mean, 4.82 yards per per route run for a running back again. Uh, you know, so finally Patterson's in a sweet spot. I mean, if there's one thing Arthur Smith is doing right um, this season, it's figuring out how to finally unlock the cheat code that should have been Cordell Patterson, I guess, for his whole career. So I think applause uh, deserved to Arthur Smith for that. But don't give up on Kyle Pitts, folks. In fact, I would say I would still think he's a buy low. Real quick on Daniel Jones, again, 17% of the design rushing plays. Like these are elite numbers, Ian. And then let me switch over real quick. Scramble, 11 percent of his dropbacks i mean daniel jones man is this guy's I, how many rushing what did he total on rushing attempts for the game he had whatever he eight. had it was plus one because their two-point conversion was literally a design qb sweep that he took in <laughs> so he had eight which in those scrambles turn into carries right in the box score yeah. but i was gonna say just looking at his raw utilization and looking at their plays being at 70 i would have guessed 10 um, but I think it's going to be hard for him to not have at least six to eight rushing attempts every single week. And he's actually doing okay with them. So, I mean, Daniel Jones, I mean, look out, like we're going to have to start talking about him as like, um, poor man's version, maybe of Josh Allen, um, like much poorer, but like he, his scramble rate and his rush, his design rushing attempts are on par. Right. So in the, on the weeks, he has the blow up production in the passing game. He's going to win some DFS tournaments. Like, it's it's coming. It's going to happen. Um, so, I, I would keep an eye on that. I would also – I love him as a QB, too, going forward. If you're if you're trying to play matchups every week and you're rostering two or you're streaming and Jones is out there, I would not let today's uh, performance because he didn't have the touchdown pass, like, just sway you off. One last thing, Kadarius Toney, with Sterling Shepard leaving the game, like you talked about, he was out there for 74% of the routes. Um, 92% of the long down and distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. So those are all positive things for him. Wasn't wasn't targeted a lot, but just a guy in super deep leagues just to kind of keep an eye on. Kadarius Toney. We'll, we'll find out more about how long we think Sterling Shepard's going to be out. But he's the player I would expect to probably pick up the most. I think it'll be a shared thing, but I think he's the one that picks up the most from these injuries. It was good to see him actually play. You know, we would like to see the first round picks make it out there at some <laughs> point uh, or another. And he did look good with the ball in his hands. That was the biggest thing he was lauded for coming out of Florida. Hopefully uh, the clapper can continue to, I don't know, maybe get the guys you invest a bunch of resources in the ball. Novel, novel concept, Glenn. <laughs> PFF Lily stat goes exactly into what you were talking about with Daniel Jones' rushing usage. The most rushing yards among all QBs since week one of 2020. Lamar Jackson, number one. Kyler Murray, number two. 
Cam Newton, number three, but not for long, people, because just six yards behind Cam, we have Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has rushed for more yards than Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurst, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Ryan Tannehill, all these guys that we also see as dual threat players. But guess what? Daniel Jones stands above the rest. We know Lamar and Kyler are complete cheat codes in this stat, but everyone else, look, you know, 2021 people, Daniel Jones is one of the most highly used and effective dual threat quarterbacks in the NFL. Life comes at you quick. Bengals took down the Steelers. Our Bengals, 24 to 10, since he covered as a two and a half point dog. The under hit at 42 and a half. My goodness, Dwayne. I uh, sent my, you know, weekly DFS contrarian pick, my little helicopter I like to send out there, pick Chase Claypool. I said, hey, Deontay Johnson's out. I think Claypool can make a lot of plays happen. You know, as a rusher, they use him on reverses. If they give him the quick hitters, he can be effective. And he was one of five guys last week with over 100 unrealized air yards. Give me all these targets. Great fantasy friendly value. Bengals defense, I thought I was going to shadow him with a complete liability with Eli Apple. I was in. And yeah, 15 uh, targets later, I'm not feeling too bad about the thesis, but damn it, Ben Roethlisberger. What the hell, man? I knew he wasn't good this year, but to throw the ball 58 times and to get 308, like it was the worst 300 yard passing performance I think I have ever seen with my own two eyes. I used to think the worst fourth down play ever was Derek Carr throwing the ball out the bat. He threw the ball away on a fourth down from like the five yard line a few years ago. <laughs> Don't worry, Derek. That is no longer the worst fourth down play ever. The new one is Ben Roethlisberger on fourth and 10, looking downfield for about a third of a second before just tossing the ball out to Najee Harris in the flat with no fewer than three defenders there. I think Najee actually hurdled one of them, maybe even fought for some extra yards and still finished about eight yards short of the first down marker. So absolutely egregious dump down on fourth and 10 to Najee. And that wasn't all he missed. Believe me, it wasn't. I probably didn't even get the full story in this one. I have, I didn't even get to watch. This game was like out of the side of my eye and I seem like I know more about it than the games I actually focused on. Chase Claypool, post down the middle of the field, wide open for a 20-yard touchdown. I'm still not sure if the ball has hit the ground. That's how far Ben overthrew it. James Washington, deep down the left sideline, must have had four or five steps of separation. Guess what? Ben could not put it on him. Juju Smith-Schuster left the game with a rib injury. Like, it was bad, but people, let's play a game if you didn't watch this. How many targets did the Steelers' first-round running back, Najee Harris, finish this with? Get your guess. Get your guess. 19. 19 targets for one Najee Harris. And again, like, it's fine. We see Christian McCaffrey make tons of good plays. Like, there are times when you want to target your running backs, but not at the expense of the rest of your offense, which is pretty much the definition of what Ben and this team were doing. So, absolutely miserable performance from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And without Deontay there, man, like, this was already looking broken enough with Deontay without I'm not sure if the Steelers are going to be breaking 10 14 points too much here and you know I think you might have said this uh not that long ago Dwayne where it's just like when is the time for Mason Rudolph I'm on the train Ben can't do it we're done we're done with the guy man I don't know if maybe the peck is really causing a bigger issue we were kind of joking around about that being an excuse probably not nice to joke about injuries but we talk on this damn podcast for 10 hours a week people give us a break with Ben, I, I I can't get behind him or really any of his receivers moving forward. And this isn't a new thing, man. It's not like I had Claypool ranked as more than an upside wide receiver three. It's just disappointing. In a winnable spot with all the volume in the world, Big Ben came up smaller than ever. 
Quickly on the other side of the ball, a lot more of the same, Dwayne. There is no T. Higgins, which should have produced, you know, you would think more concentrated targets for Chase and Boyd. And it did. Nobody else had more than two in the game. The problem was Joe Burrow threw 18 total passes. At least this time he took zero sacks. So the Bengals goal of keeping this guy upright uh, was fine. But I just worry, man, Jamar Chase, I, I think, can't keep catching a touchdown every single game on the small target share. Luckily, Joe Mixon, we have just continuing to flirt with 20 touches week in and week out. Couldn't score in this one, but was still looking plenty effective uh, with his 94 total scoreless yards. Final point before I throw it over to you, Dwayne. Auden Tate, first catch of the year. Nice 14-yard snag. Love you, Auden. Great play. Now, Dwayne, talk to me about whatever you want to talk about, man. There's a lot of different directions to go here. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, Jamar Chase, the target share is not the issue. It's to what you're, it's to your point. You know, the, the, the bigger issue is the number of plays. So only 47 plays, and that's including penalties um, in the way that I'm pulling the data for, you know, the quick pull for this for tonight's show. Um, that's terrible. And that's a trend. Now we've seen the Bengals in that 50 range, I want to say the last two weeks as well. Um, so they are just running a very, very slow offense. And so we'll have to see what are they going to do. But it's going to be the same problem you're talking about with the Steelers, minus the fact that, you know, I would say Burrow is definitely better than Ben. Um, but the Steelers have been dealing with the same problem until today. The Steelers ran 83 plays today, which is insane. You never hear of a game like that, Ian. 83 plays to 47. Like, that's like pretty crazy and lose the game. Um, so this just tells you about the quality of said plays, um, to your point earlier. But as far as, you know, Chase goes, everything looks good. Like 100% of the routes, uh, same thing for Boyd. 25% of the targets to Jamar Chase. 35% of the targets to Tyler Boyd. He broke, some, he broke a nice tackle in the, four, in the first quarter. Ran it in for a touchdown. Um, just a quick little alert on Chris Evans. I threw out a little disclaimer around him last week this week out there for 38 percent of the long down and distance so he's sneaking out there and he snuck in for half of the short down and distance work so joe mixon is still by far the leader 74 percent of the snaps 76 percent of the rushes uh 45 routes still fine mixon's in a great spot as far as being an rb1 um, but it looks like chris harris is carving out a little more every single week so if something did happen to hit to mixon again not so sure that it's p ryan probably more of a split early on and maybe i would probably want to put the best on the younger player uh, with more lively legs in Chris Evans, who we know they like in the passing game and let him grow his role from there. Um, not to try to jinx Joe Mixon. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> um, so real quick on the Steelers side, you already hit Najee Harris. Needs, everybody's heard about the, the targets enough today. Um, just real quick. So James Washington, you know, um, will be out there. So if you're you're in a deep league and we got to wait and see, hear what, hear what we Need to hear on Juju. Got to see what else happens with Deontay. Um, but if both of those players were to miss next week, then you would probably see James Washington quite a bit. He was out there for 79% of the routes today. Only targeted 10% of the time, though. It really was the Chase Claypool show. 26% of the targets, 40% of the air yards to Claypool. He was out there for every situation today. Um, so Claypool, I actually do believe, even as bad as Ben is, um, if we get a week where both of those other players are missing, I would definitely go back to the well on Claypool. And I think it would be hard for me to not rank him in the top 24 if both players were out. I think if one of them is out, he's a lock is 36. Any game they're all three playing outside of Deontay, I'm trying to stay away from Juju and Claypool. 
Yeah, Claypool did finish with nine catches for 96 yards, so he managed to make the most of a shitty situation. Credit to him for not completely uh, busting, but yeah, not not good times over there in Pittsburgh. That Buffalo win in week one feels like it happened about six years ago at this point. PFF, Lily Stat People, as of 9.34 p.m. Eastern time, Jamar Chase has four receiving touchdowns. Every other rookie wide receiver combined has just three. That's how good Chase has been. We need to redo that uh, Pinnell Sewell and Jamar Chase like meme that everyone was using and make the, you know, if you draft Sewell, you know, Joe's getting protection. If you don't, he's getting sacked, but we got to show him throwing the touchdown to Jamar Chase because that's what's happening anyway. (laughs) And, uh, you know, a good, I saw, I I saw multiple PFF employees make the same joke about Jamar having more uh, touchdowns than Sewell this Uh, year. I saw Nathan, I saw Yankee today. Throw the throw the four touchdowns for Jamar Chase, zero for Panesula. I'm sure I won't put it past myself here in the future as well. Moving <laughs> right along, we got the Cardinals taking down the Jaguars, 31 to 19. Cardinals covered as eight point favorites. The under hit at 51 and a half. I did not get to watch really any of this one. I was dying laughing though when I saw the uh, Trevor Lawrence flea flicker, and the whole office is like, "Whoa, hold on, here we go, big play coming!" And then proceeds to go off his back foot and throw a brutal pick six to uh, Byron Murphy, who just saw it the entire way. Never once once the ball left Lawrence's hand did it look like something good was going to happen so just a great like oh 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 type of moment <laughs> from everyone watching the biggest ja- biggest highlight the Jaguars supplied other than a early uh, DJ Chark touchdown was high price free agent acquisition Jamal Agnew finding his way back to the end zone as a returner this time on a field goal return got an all-time great call from Gus Johnson on the play that happened right before the half yeah it seemed like Jacksonville was doing something man they had that 13 to 7 halftime lead unfortunately lost the second half battle 24 to 6 to drop this one so credit to Agnew we had James Robinson get back in the good graces of fantasy managers 21 touches for 136 yards and a score I'll give him a hell yeah for that that but Dwayne let's talk about some of this Cardinals usage man we knew Hopkins was coming in with the rib issue playing through the pain didn't look like his snaps were all that off but I kind of understand why maybe they weren't going out of their way to feature him to the same extent but Rondale Moore just two targets one rush attempt all the everything he was doing was so good we were hoping the usage would would follow Dwayne the usage did not follow no 33 percent of the snaps 33 36 percent of the routes um, per drop back. And then we also saw his targets per route run, which had really been what that was carrying him before, because even though he wasn't out there, you know, for over half of the plays and he still wasn't, um, he was seeing target share uh, targets per route run was about 33, 34% two weeks in a row, which was the top on the team. So that's the way the equation works, right? You're out there for a lot of plays. You could have a lower, lower target share and it still adds up to be enough. You're only out there for a few plays. Your target share, your targets per route run has to be really high. And so it wasn't this week and that hurt him. Um, he was only out there for 57% of the long down and distance plays. Like that's kind of troublesome. He was out there hundred percent of the time in the two minute offense. Like they love him in the two minute offense, but really he's, He's he's the fourth receiver. That's just what it is right now. You can't release him. You got to hold him. But we're going to have to keep him out of starting lineups. We thought maybe we would see the trend continue, but Christian Kirk is really the receiver besides DeAndre Hopkins to continue to own here. Now AJ Green, I believe, did put up 100 yards today in this game, so he has something to say about that. But if you look at Kirk. Every week, targets per route run is really strong. Target share is nice. Um, you know, he's getting to operate out of the slot. He was only out there 74% of the plays, but he is 
who everybody thought LaVisca Chenault was when they drafted him in round six or seven this year. And LaVisca Chenault is not that. So Christian Kirk's on an explosive offense. He's got a good quarterback. They run a lot of plays. Um, I think he's going to finish as a wide receiver three on the year, Ian. Now, if he goes down, that's when Rondell Moore season, I think, like, is unleashed. You know, it would have been interesting to see if Hopkins was out today, did they push Kirk outside like they did in the preseason, but we didn't get to see that. So um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, real quick on uh, Chase Edmonds, man. Um, wow. I mean, 24% target share um, targeted on 30% of the routes he's running. He's in a route 70% of the time every week. He doesn't get the rushing, you know, attempts. He's usually around 30 or 40% and James Connors around 30 to 40%. And then you have Kyler Murray scooping up the rest. So he's never going to give you a, a 20, you know, attempt game, but that's okay. Like he is, he's involved in the passing game. He's due for a blow up week in this offense. I'm telling you guys, Chase Edmonds is due. We're going to look up in one of these weeks in the near future. And we're going to be like, Whoa, 90 yards receiving and two touchdowns receiving like it's gonna happen he even snuck in a carry inside the five early in the game but really short down in distance it belongs to james connor you saw james connor get multiple multiple of those as the game went on um, but, but edmonds does mix in some there so he's not a complete zero uh james robinson at halftime i did tweet out like oh my god what's going on carlos hyde basically had half of all the work in the second half, Robinson really did take over. At the end of the day, it was 60% of the snaps to Robinson, 58% of the rushing attempts to him. But here's the real thing, 22% target share, 41% targets per route run. So they're really trying to get Robinson for the second week in a row more involved in the passing game. I do believe James Robinson, I don't want to give it a full stamp of approval because this is the first pass at the data. Got to look at it again in the morning. But I really believe we are close to an RB2, a low-end RB2 where we just say, okay, look, you're just going to need to start James Robinson. Um, he even looked good today. You know, yards per route run, 3.12. Um, so I, I like what we're seeing from James Robinson. You heard me already mention DJ Chark. I mean, uh, LaVisca Chenault earlier. They've got all the juniors, Marvin Jones Jr., <laughs> DJ Chark Jr., LaVisca Chenault Jr. So the juniors, um, it's just not looking good for LaVisca, man. He's just, you know, 13% of the targets, you know, on a on an offense that's not very good. They run plenty of plays. Not saying to cut LaVisca, but you just can't, you can't keep starting him. Hopefully you've already benched him and you're just going to sit back and chill. Just kind of wait a little bit. But right now, Marvin Jones over the last two weeks is... If there's an alpha on this team, it's him. 28% of the targets this week, 25% of the air yards, 22% targets per route run. Um, so Marvin Jones, if I had to start anyone from this offense outside of James Robinson, it would be Marvin Jones. Jones definitely deserves to be treated as the number one moving forward. Yeah, this is Visca without Travis Etienne involved, man. Like imagine trying to uh, siphon through all this stuff. If we had Etienne stealing some of the wide receiver snaps, you know, 2022 shaping up to be even a bigger mess there. We'll worry about that later. Uh, yeah, I didn't mention a couple of the count numbers for the Cardinals. James Conner, one yard and four yard touchdowns. As you said, he will be getting the majority of the, uh, you know, short yardage work. And A.J. Green, five catches, 112 yards. And Christian Kirk cleared the 100-yard mark. Kirk had seven catches for 104 yards. So not going to crown A.J. Green just yet. He beat up on Bashad Breeland, potentially the NFL's worst cornerback last week. This week, he was facing a Jaguars team that just decided not to play C.J. Henderson. Maybe he was banged up. To my knowledge, uh, he wasn't. But either way, you know, Jaguars, one of the secondaries. We want to attack week in and week out. I want to see what happened. We'll see how AJ Green looks. If the targets stay this way, okay, maybe we got to start rising him up the ranks. But I think you're right, uh, Dwayne. It's Hopkins. That's shaping out to be Christian Kirk, and hopefully Rondale can get there. So not quite fully apologizing to AJ Green, but hey, credit where credit's due. The guy is coming off back to back solid games. He is not the 
recipient of our PFF Lilly Award, though. That goes to both Rondale Moore and Christian Kirk because they are two of only seven wide receivers averaging over three yards per out run this season, people. Now, that is a significant number. If you look at full season stretches, basically it's only Julio Jones and I think Devontae Adams got there one time uh, over the course of a full season for the past five or six years. But this year, the leaderboard from one to seven, Debo Samuel, Cooper Cup, Rondale Moore, Brandon Cooks, Tyler Lockett, Devontae Adams, and Christian Kirk. Great company to be in for both Kirk and Rondale. Here's to hoping Cliff Kingsbury can get them, especially Rondale, a little bit more involved moving forward. Final matchup that I did not get direct eyes on today. Saints beat the Patriots 28 to 13. New Orleans covered as three point dogs under hit at 44. Some injuries. James White, unfortunately, got carted off with a hip issue. That's not looking good. Fully expecting JJ Taylor to get a good chunk of his work in the passing game if he ends up missing time. And the Saints lost their left tackle, Teron Armstead, to an elbow injury. So make sure you monitor that as well. This New Orleans offensive line already not operating, you know, exactly at 100%. And that certainly will not help matters uh just want to point out on this one mac jones he had been like the best rookie quarterback but it was almost by default it was because everyone else was playing so bad now he's not really helping his case 51 passes for 270 yards and not one not two but three interceptions that's gonna be a sheesh for me and we also have to realize though if he can keep up this volume Dwayne, and there's no james white maybe now we can actually get some usefulness out of these receivers kendrick Bourne had 96 yards and a touchdown but i think more intriguingly jacoby myers didn't score like no this guy's never going to score a receiving touchdown for his entire career we just need to realize that now but 14 targets, nine catches, 94 yards. So Jacoby looking good, potentially could have, a, you know, double digit targets on his plate more weeks than not if James White is ultimately out for an extended period of time. Disappointing uses from Damian Harris, but I think that was probably, again, not a game I've had my full eyes on, but seeing the Saints have one of the better front sevens in the league in terms of their ability to stop the run certainly seemed like the Patriots might have just been game planning not to really make this uh, a situation to give the ball to Damian 20 plus times into the teeth of that defense we got a pretty good version of Jameis on the other side once again efficient once again wasn't asked to do all that much just 21 pass attempts found two touchdowns one to Marquez Callaway another one on a short angle route to Alvin Kamara but just 128 total passing yards and because of that Dwayne you know I'd like your opinion on the matter as well but I still think here we are entering week four it's Alvin Kamara who remains a top five RB and that's it we can't play anyone else from the Saints offense right now yeah, you can't. You can't. I don't even think you carry anyone on your roster at this point. <laughs> I'll make it official. Yeah. And, you know, I love, you know, I I liked what I saw from Marquez Callaway, you know, and I'm normally someone that like I've got to like have this other data to back it up to say, you know, we've seen him do something in the past or, or there's something, you know, in his profile from a data perspective. But I, I thought, you know, with Callaway that it looked like he and Winston were clicking. So I signed off, you know, on, on him being, you know, seventh, eighth round pick, you know, in fantasy drafts this summer. And that looks like a bust. I mean, listen, listen to these routes. Like you can't start any of this. It's OK. Taysom Hill was in a route 44 percent of the time. Adam Troutman was in a route 48 percent of the time. Marquez Callaway only 59 percent of the time. Kenny Stills is still alive. 37% of the time, Kenny Stills was in a route. 56% to Deontay Harris. 41% 41% to Ty Montgomery. Who are these guys? Like, who? what the hell's going on? Like, this is a complete um, offense by committee outside of Alvin Kamara. And wow, what was it for Winston today? 128 passing yards, I think. This yes. is an atrocious 
offense right now. And Kamara's living on the volume, so you're happy with that. Tony Jones is the true cuff to Kamara, so if you want to keep him great, all the rest of these players can all be dropped, even in deep leagues. I'm talking like the leagues Ian, you and I are playing in, where like, there's nothing. Like, you know, it's the old John Hansen skank squad. That's all that's left <laughs> out there. Doesn't matter. We can drop these guys and move on if you have something better. Um, Callaway did catch a touchdown on a, on a you know, Winston prayer ball that, you know, he got chewed out for coming back to the sideline by Sean Payton because Payton, I literally was watching his balance. He's like, yeah, you threw a touchdown, but it should have been a pick, jackass. That's basically what he told him. Um, so ad-libbing a little bit there. But um, real quick on the Patriots side, I don't even know why they signed Jonu Smith. I have no clue. He's only out there for 26% of the routes. Every Unless you saw something where he got hurt again. He's he's around 30%, 40% of the routes every week. You can't even roster Jonu Smith. There's no point. Hunter Henry is the tight end right now to own. Um, he doesn't get targeted as much but you know on a, on a per-route basis, but he's out there 70% of the plays, and that's two weeks in a row. Um, you already hit on Jacoby Myers. One the, the surprising part here for me, Ian, was J.J. Taylor was active today. And when James White went down, it was not him. They gave it all to Brandon Bolden. Brandon Bolden handled 88% of the short down and distance. Eat your heart out, Damian Harris. 60% of the long down and distance. Oh, just kidding, J.J. Taylor. You thought you were going to be active and cool. No, you're not. 85% of the two-minute offense. So it was the special teamer that took over all the work. And also, the team trailed by the, the team trailed 69 out of 72 snaps that I have. That's what killed Damian Harris. We've talked about this. Some backs are very game script dependent. Damian Harris is one of them. If you're ever trailing, this is the kind of week that you can get from Damian Harris. They'll still they'll try to keep him involved as much as they can, but it can get away from you really quickly in this type, in this type of game script and the way it played out today. How old do you think Brandon Bolden is? 31. You nailed it. He's been on the Patriots since 2012. <laughs> Dude, they will keep those special teams or players around, man. Like, Matthew Slater, Brandon Bolden. Bolden did leave for a brief moment to like the Dolphins. Oh, he did go spend a year in Miami in 2018. Good for you. Good for you, Brandon. That sounds like a fun uh, vacation. I'm not trying <laughs> to take anything away. That's an amazing career. And he has been great on special teams. And honestly, he's been fine when they use him on offense. But yes, to see J.J. Taylor losing the work to Bolden is, yeah, that's not good, people. Cannot get behind Taylor as a meaningful waiver claim uh, this week with that sort of usage happening. But again, make sure you check out the Tuesday edition of this podcast where Dwayne and I's fully hashed out thoughts on the upcoming waivers. And yeah, PFF Lily stat goes out to Jameis, who has 387 passing yards through three weeks of this season. In 2019, he led the NFL with 319 passing yards per game. This is a completely different offense, which has made Jameis a completely different quarterback. Hey, he's 2-1, and one, and he is a starting quarterback in the NFL, which he could not say last year. Still, though, people, not someone we can expect to have the same sort of boom performances with his leash, you know, being, hey, even when you throw a touchdown, you might get chewed out on the way to the sideline. And, oh, shit, we got two PFF Lowe stats for this one. Alvin Kamara, who has never had more than 194 carries in a season, Current 17-game pace, Dwayne, 295. I don't, I, I like it, but him and Austin Eckler, it's like their offensive coordinators just finally said, you know what? You're a starting running back. Go take all the carries for once. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's hilarious hey works out man and people nfl week three is in the books which means pff has data and grades for every single player who logged a snap last week what can you get with the pff sub i'm happy you asked all of pff's locked article content pff's nfl and college football betting dashboards are great power projections cover probabilities and betting values plus 0 to 100 grades of every single player including the top rookies on every team our player prop tool which shows plus minus value for every nfl prop and more so check out the highest graded players from week three i'm to find early value on spread picks and player props for week four and also people week three of football is in the books and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL to kick off another action pack week DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet one dollar on any football game listen up because you don't want to miss this download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive $150 in free bets when you place a one dollar bet in any football game Promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers apply. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. Do you really need that tw- twice? See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. We have hit our final four afternoon slate games, everybody. First off, the least memorable one. Broncos shut out the Jets 26 to nothing. Of course, Denver covered as 11 and a half point favorites and the under cashed at 44 points. A couple, you know, minor sheesh-worthy moments, but Melvin Gordon had a fumble on the goal line towards the end of the game after Tim Patrick got them just short of the end zone. So, yes, Melvin did uh, find his way into the end zone, but I did think that Javante Williams was, once again, the slightly more impressive guy on a per-down basis. But you know what? It's what the Broncos uh, seem to care about. Obviously, that's what matters a little bit more, and it it continues to be a fairly evenly split backfield. So Dwayne will have more of the specifics on that. But what was also split up more this week in the past was the receiving room. Last week, it seemed like Teddy Bridgewater did not give a single F about throwing to anyone other than Cortland Sutton. This week, he spread it out, and he was effective doing so. Like, shout out to Teddy for another great game. He came into this week ranked, graded out as PFF's number eight best quarterback in the league after going 19 for 25 for 235 I don't think that's really going to go anywhere so just realize you know he had a defensive pass interference uh, drawn from Corlin Sutton in the end zone again Patrick got down to the one yard line there were several situations there where Teddy easily could have had two or three touchdowns but hey chipped in 24 rushing yards hopefully it didn't completely tank your lineup if you were going with him as a streamer and that was mostly my points on the Broncos. I still think Cortland Sutton more weeks than not is going to be the league guy. Again, you know, a defensive pass interference goes away here or there. People wouldn't be worried. I'm going to continue to try to find a spot inside the top 24 for him. Maybe it becomes more of an upside wide receiver three situation, but we're still feeling good about Cortland Sutton. And particularly, man, or I should say, unfortunately, because KJ Hamler, I didn't see if he came back to the game. I guess I didn't end up seeing an actual designation for it, but it looked like he suffered uh, a not good looking uh, lower body injury. So keep an eye on the injury reports for Hamler. Hopefully he gets back to a good health because when he is on man there are not many guys faster than him our guy on the other side of the ball will be missing some time elijah moore with a concussion hate to see that at this point people you know i believe the jets even got a buy coming up in a few weeks and another you know more manageable matchups but at the end of the day this jets offense is now emerging as a single worst group 
in the league, uh, even with the Houston Texans doing their thing. So Zach Wilson, just another dreadful performance that we saw coming. This was a road game in Denver against a Vic Fangio defense that gives most veteran quarterbacks fits, let alone Zach Wilson. So he's had to start off his career against a Panthers defense that has emerged as the single best pass rush group in the league. And then Belichick and Fangio in back-to-back weeks. So no, we are not writing off Zach Wilson forever. But for right now, Dwayne, it's just tough to get behind anyone. Running backs, wide receivers, Whoever, the freaking custodian of the New York Jets, we cannot adequately pump this person up because they can't score points right now. Yeah. I think the only person that you can play right now, and it's that it's in the wide receiver three range, is Corey Davis. Still had 10 targets today. I mean, time a player has 10 targets, you know, there good things can happen. And, you know, he's so he, last week we saw his routes drop. So there must have been something weird in the game. He was fine today, 93% of the routes uh, per pass play run. He handled 29% of the targets, 44% of the air yards. But yeah, outside, and it's kind of a shame, man. Elijah Moore was off to a, a nice start in this game. He was only out there for 46% of the pass plays before he got injured. And he was already he was at an 18% target share, um, which was like double that, right, when he left the game because he missed so many snaps. So it looked like Elijah Moore was finally going to have, at least from a utilization perspective, who knows how much of that would have turned into anything with how bad or how much Wilson has struggled. But yeah, I think you're right. Um, it is down to just Ty Johnson and Michael Carter, but I won't I won't get into all the details of that. I'll put that in the utilization report tomorrow, but we know most people know Tevin Coleman was not active. The easiest thing to think about is Carter's handling more of the rushing attempts. Ty Johnson's handling all of the passing attempt, uh, the passing down work. So it's kind of, that's basically how it's split up. Um, I'll hit the Broncos backs tomorrow as well. It's pretty much the same as last week. Um, Javante did get a few more carries in, uh, on short down and distance. Um, last week they didn't give him those, but it was still Gordon Moore in the passing game. Um, man, Albert O is just a submarining, no offense, value. Um, it's just, it's a real pain. Only 68% um, of the time that the Broncos passed was no offense in a route. And so last week he barely got over the 70% mark. We had some hope. Maybe that was a trend. No, it wasn't. He's going to, he's going to flirt with the 65 to 75% mark every single week. He'll come through for you some. He's still going to be a low end tight end one. But fans just not, with this utilization, he's just not going to be able to get the boost he needs to get up into the conversation with some of the other players that we know he has the talent to be in the same conversation, but the utilization just isn't there. Um, you mentioned Cortland Sutton. Yes. Uh, everything looks great. 94% of the routes, 24% of the targets. Um, you know, he's out there when the team needs him on third down, everything that could possibly look, you know, good for Cortland Sutton does. Um, he's going to be fine. I agree with you. It's going to be really hard to not have him as long as Jerry Judy's out for him to not be a wide receiver too. Real quick on fan at this point, again, low end tight end one. I'm with you there. Tyler Higby, Logan Thomas, just because they're on the field every snap, we got to move them in front of Noah, right? Yes, I have them above Noah Fant and did this week. Yeah, I think they deserve to be above. I think every once in a while, Fant's going to pop for you. But but yeah, if you're trying to depend on someone every week, those two should definitely be ahead. I firmly believe Fant is a better real-life option of those guys and has the brighter future, unfortunately. We're not playing real life, we're playing fantasy, and we need to react accordingly. PFF Lily stat from this opposite of a memorable matchup is that the Jets haven't scored a touchdown since roughly 3.30 p.m. on September 12th. And you are probably listening to this on September 27th. So tells you all you need to know about the current state of this Jets offense. Moving right along. We had a sneaky 
overtime thriller. Raiders took down the Dolphins in a, you know, trap game. Like, it's good that they came away with this W. Certainly could have seen how it went the other way. 31-28, Miami did cover as four-point underdogs. The over eventually hit at 45. Just a gritty performance from Jacoby Brissett, man. Do the stats and the counting numbers look terrible? Absolutely. But for him to find a way into the end zone on the last play of regulation as a scrambler, and then in overtime, fourth and 20, no issues at all, finds a way to extend the play and hits Mike Jasicki for a big game. Again, just a gutsy performance from Jacoby Brissett. But that's about all we can say super nice about this Miami Dolphins offense, unless you're in a full point per reception league and we're happy and smart enough to start one Jalen Waddle, 13 targets, caught 12 of them for 58 scoreless yards. No, that's not the sort of efficiency we would like to see from the number six overall pick. But clearly in a week where Will Fuller was back for the first time and Devontae Parker was healthy, they still decided that Jalen Waddle was their guy they wanted to get the ball to. We also did see Jasicki, though, pretty much Undertaker Jiff his way into 12 targets, 10 catches, 86 yards himself. Going to need to, you know, examine that usage a little bit more. But hey, man, that looks fantastic. And hey, it's pretty hard to find any sort of tight end with 10 plus targets in their potential range of outcomes. So for me, you know, I've been pretty vocal about not being on the Jasicki train throughout the summer, mostly because his usage is as a slot and wide receiver. And with Waddle, Parker and Fuller there, I wasn't sure how he was going to get it. To be fair, it might be made even easier if Will Fuller is really banged up because in overtime, they gave him you know, a 40-yard bomb into the end zone to try to go get. He couldn't get it. He took a long time to get up and had to be helped off the field. I thought they were looking at his calf, so I don't know. Maybe he just got the wind knocked out of him. End of a long game, he was tired. Just something to monitor because if he's out, one less mouth to feed and certainly does help Jasicki. On the other side of the ball, we had Josh Jacobs out with the ankle injury. So, of course, the Raiders decided to revolve their whole offense around Peyton Barber. And no, sadly, I don't just mean the rushing game. Peyton Barber had two fewer targets. That's it. The Darren freaking Waller. And I'm not happy about it, everyone. So, yeah, I mean, okay, I guess Barber, 111 rushing yards, touchdown. He also caught... You know, three of those balls for 31 yards. A lot of people will call that a good game and we should be giving him credit for it. But damn, Dwayne, I'm just mad, man. Darren Waller should be getting 20 targets per game. He's not. Things are getting spread around more. Makes some sense out of this Las Vegas team to me because outside of Derek Carr throwing for 300 yards again, which he does for clockwork, it's now been seven straight weeks. Like, it's getting frustrating over here. Yeah, he and Waller are really all you can trust right now. Um, it's unfortunate. So Edwards and Ruggs, you know, they're still just caught <clears throat> and they're looking better. Like they're both looking better. So if you are in a deep format, when we say deep format, 12 team league, 20 uh, person rosters, you know, you're going to roster Brian Edwards and, and Henry Ruggs. But if you're in leagues that are, you know, smaller than that, where you're only, you know, rostering, say, 15 players and you're in a 10 team league, it's going to be hard to hold on to Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs. Um, Edwards is out there for 81% of the routes. This data could be slightly off, folks, because I was pulling it right at the end because we have. We have our charters, right? They're charting every single play and you have all these different people watching each play and the data is getting entered as we go. So they have to take their time doing that. So I'm probably missing some data. So this is as of when the data was pulled, this is where things were sitting, but it's probably not far off from this. And that's why I use the percentages. So um, Henry Ruggs, though, only 62% in, you know, as good as he looked, was only out there for 62% of the routes. I mean, I just hate that. And 24% targets per route run was the best on the team behind Peyton Barber. And 18% of the targets overall was second on the team to Darren Waller. So they like Ruggs, but Renfro's getting out there. You know who the kick in the ass is? 
you know who the Peyton Barber is of the receiving core? Alex Zay Jones. Oh, Zay, Zay Jones. Jones. Why does Zay Jones need to play? You know why? I do not understand. Gruden said this. He said Zay Jones is the best conditioned player on the team. So he plays him like five snaps a game or whatever because he's the but best. But you know in where shape. they do it? They play him inside the ten. Oh, Dwayne. So not Zay Jones. Getting, that's where we're at. With this oh team. my gosh! So Edwards, look, the routes are good. Um, Henry Ruggs, the targets per route are good. So it's like if we could put them together, we would have like a good fantasy player. Um, but we're just not quite there yet. So really, only in the deepest of formats should you be hanging on to them. You really should be trying to keep them out of your starting lineup. Um, and this is a cool, this is a big week for us. Week three is really, you know, we've got three data points now, Ian. So, I mean, I'll be all over this stuff tomorrow with the utilization report. Um, Darren Waller is going to be fine. Real quick on the Dolphins. So it's our first data point with Will Fuller. And, you know, Fuller was dinged up a couple times but he was back in the game. Um, so we were worried about Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker. We're just like, well, what's going to happen? Who's going to, and this could still change some as it goes, but Waddle was out there for 92% of the pass play. So Ian, the player that had seen his utilization kind of start to dip off, and now we get Will Fuller back, actually has his best utilization of the season. Let's so go. sometimes this stuff, we can't predict the way it's exactly going to go. But what I would say overall, this is a positive, you know, for Waller. I mean, for Waddle. So 92% of the routes, 27% of the targets, 23% targets per route run. So really good. Uh, Mike Gesicki, you're still not going to be able to trust him. He did get over the 70% um, routes per team pass play this week, but it's always between 60 and 70%. He did see 22% of the targets, so he'll be a boom-bust tight end. That's just what it's going to be um, until we see multiple weeks where he gets up towards like 80%. And guess what? It's just really hard for him to because they don't think he's a good blocker and – Jalen Waddle plays in the slot, which you've talked about multiple times, Ian. So uh, you did get two uh, wildcat snaps out of Malcolm Brown. So like, I was making me reminisce of the old Ronnie Brown. Oh, I think it was like, that was like fun. Oh, it, says, it says Brown on the back of his jersey. Let's get him out <laughs> there. You know, it wasn't the Patriots that they were playing where they unveiled it. Um, it didn't work also. Um, and I love the way that you really um, described Jacoby Brissett. Gritty would be... Like the best way. It's like I'm the nicest thing you can say too. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it there. I'm just gonna leave it there. We're gonna end with gritty Jacoby Brissett. Only other thing I forgot to add, and Dwayne, you said it briefly, but Rugs did look good out there, man. They were. This is only a second career game now with more than five targets, and he should have had like a 60 yard touchdown. As you, I think you tweeted directly, it was the exact same throw that Carr hit last week to pretty much put the final stake through the Steelers. This week he couldn't quite hit it. Clean pocket. Rugs had the separation, couldn't hit it. Hey, it's hard throwing what, the what ball. What I think of, yeah. we saw this same thing last year with, Ag with Aguilar. His routes were in like the 70% range because Zay Jones needed to be on the field. And then Hunter Renfro rotates in. So that, that could be what we end up with here with Rugs in a few weeks where we're just saying, folks, he's a boom-bust wide receiver three. It's basically what we had with Aguilar last week. You're either going to get three catches for 80 yards and two touchdowns, or you're going to get zero like we don't really know which it will be one of the two but yes in addition to that field stretching role that we knew he had had a nice toe tap catch on the sideline and was showing off some yak they gave him a reverse these are the things he can do people i know you know you see the sub 4 3 40 and you think he's just a one-trick pony field stretcher at his best henry ruggs can be a lot more credit to the raiders for finally starting to explore that side of his game but henry ruggs is not the pff lowest stat. that goes to the las vegas raiders running back that they signed on september 6th earlier this month peyton barber josh jacobs goes down now over the past two weeks 
Here are the most guys with the most carries in the league pre-Sunday Night Football. Number one, Derrick Henry. Number two, Joe Mixon. And oh my gosh, there's not more names on this list. Number three, Peyton Booking Barber, Dwayne. That's the point we've got to. Never mind that, you know, this team went and signed one of the highest priced backups in Kenyon Drake. Peyton Barber season. It's, it's Peyton Barber's world. Uh, he's just living it. We're all part of it. Just of it just makes me just want to say the Raiders. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, when I think of Peyton Barber, oh my God. Oh my wow. gosh. These guys, man. Carlos Hyde, Peyton Barber. I don't Jordan Howard like they just hang out and just like think about all the ways they can piss off fantasy managers before like deciding <laughs> their next career move like they got a group text Peyton's like guys I'm going to Vegas this is gonna be great Gruden's gonna feed me uh, Vikings 30 uh, awesome. Seahawks 17 moving right along Minnesota covered as two-point favorites the under cashed at 53 and a half early on it was looking like complete DK Metcalf blow up week he put Patrick Peterson in an absolute blunder on a whip route which was great to see because I spent you know a lot of last week talking about how nobody particularly Patrick Peterson can guard Metcalf and he did wind up with six catches 107 yards and a score but, you know, it was just weird seeing the Seahawks offense stall out the way they did. 17 points all came in the first half. Tyler Lockett finally dudded four catches, 31 yards. Luckily, he's not hurt. They had, like, one of those situations where he went down. Whole team came out. It looked like it was going to be really bad. And he returned to the game. So, credit to Tyler Lockett. I think he's only missed one career game. Complete warrior. He'll be good to go moving forward who might not be as good to go as Chris Carson, who suffered a hamstring injury. In his absence, we had Alex Collins come in. I wasn't sure. Again, this all these injuries, we'll know a lot more on Monday after some of the press conferences, and particularly on Wednesday after the injury reports come out. So something to keep an eye on for now. And Dwayne, I'll get your thoughts in a second. I would think Alex Collins is the primary handcuffed to own. But with that said, Rashad Penny is someone that is still on the active roster. They didn't feel the need to put him on IR. He's not 100%, but maybe he is close enough where if Carson is set to miss time, they can bring him right along. On the Vikings side of the ball, yet another three-touchdown performance from Kirk Cousins. Should be his third straight this year. Yes, I'm still bitter about the week one Justin Jefferson non-touchdown against the Bengals, but whatever. Adam Thielen, 18 touchdowns in his last 18 games. You can take your cries for regression and piss off and around the company of Mr. Thielen. Justin Jefferson balled out as well at nine catches, 118 yards and a score. And oh, hey, Tyler Conklin, who PFF Eric calls Tyler Gronklin every single time he makes a catch, seven catches, 70 yards and a touchdown himself, safely putting KJ Osborne, where he belonged as the number four, number five option in this passing game. Like, like, come on, people. KJ Osborne, we're falling for this after two weeks. Like, be better. Again, the amount of start sick questions for KJ Osborne was just kind of pissing me off this morning. But for the main event, Dwayne, which I'll lead you into, the one, the only, Alexander Madison, 112 yards on the ground, 59 through the air. Anyone that was able to snag him for this one-week spot start in place of Dalvin Cook who missed time with the ankle injury is certainly loving this what I'm guessing is going to finish the week as a top five running back performance. So, I mean, you know, Dwayne, this was a game where the Vikings, they were up 21 to 17 at halftime. So we didn't see Amir Abdullah get to fully rear his, you know, his ugly head. But Madison, man, having eight targets in this one, Abdullah might not even matter moving forward. Yeah, they were and they were designed on first and second down. It was Abdullah who was out there, you know, for about half of the two-minute offense, half of the long down and distance, but Madison didn't fully give way. So I think that's a really that's a positive. So we'll see what happens with Dalvin Cook. But you know, when you have a back like Madison, the nice thing in is you don't have to rush 
your star player back. Like you could probably get through another week and be fine with Alexander Madison. I mean, obviously Dalvin cook um, fantasy managers want to see him back. I want to see him back. Um, but if you own Madison, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough to not rank him inside the top 12 backs again, heading into next week. If we think that Dalvin cook's going to be out 77% of the rushing attempts, 80% of the short down and distance um, got all the work pretty much inside all the work, actually not pretty much all the work inside the five, and like you said, you know, highly active in the passing game, and they were setting things up for him. Um, Tyler Gronklin <laughs> uh, saw his highest target share of the year at 23%, but his routes were still the same, 60%. Sell high if you own Tyler Gronklin. See what you can get for the guy. Um, that's pretty much it for the Vikings. As far as the Seahawks go, um, second week in a row where Gerald Everett had separate separated um, I don't need the word had there. Gerald Everett separated himself from Will Disley. 74% of the routes versus only 26% of the routes. 18% of the targets versus 4% of the targets. So I do believe Gerald Everett could be working his way up the tight end two ranks. Um, we'll have to see. You know, look, this offense goes through Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf in the passing game. But if there is room for a third player, maybe Everett can start to carve out some trust from Russell Wilson, 32% of the targets today to DK Metcalf. And that's just the thing we're going to see, right? Everybody was so high on Tyler Lockett. When's DK going to get his? Well, as soon as the other team tries to take away Tyler Lockett. Same thing's going to happen with Robert Woods. It's going to be three weeks from now. And everybody's going to be like, oh my God, Cooper Cup's unstoppable. And then Cooper Cup's going to have five catches for 50 yards. Still be okay, but it'll be Robert Woods with eight catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. That's the way this stuff goes. Um, so this was Metcalf's week and good for him. As far as the injury goes, I was just trying to look at it, Ian. It's kind of weird. So so Carson left um, in the sixth drive, but then was back out there in the seventh drive. Um, so I don't, I don't know like how bad the injury is. I know, I believe it was a hamstring. Yeah. Um, I will say Travis Homer took took all of the long down and distance and two minute offense. Seventy one percent of the long down and distance. Shouldn't say all, almost all, and one hundred percent of the two minute offense. It was Alex Collins to your point, stepping into the game and handling the rushing duties when Chris Carson could not go. So I'll have to dig deeper into that one tomorrow and we'll have to see what the health looks like for Carson. Yeah, Carson was back in there. So apologize if I sounded any internal alarms with that people. But again, we just need to make sure if he is good to go. As we saw last week, Dalvin Cook was injured, came back in, ultimately missed the following week's games. Hopefully Whatever. It's a great drug. That's why all these rich people try to steal it from people, Ian. <laughs> Before we go down that rabbit hole, PFF Lily staff for this one. Most games with three plus passing, passing touchdowns since week one of 2020. Number one, Aaron Rodgers with 13. He's gunning for number 14 right now against the 49ers, but all alone in second place, Kirk Cousins with 10 such games we talked to you guys all offseason about the schedule and how he was going to get us you know the bridge between fields and lance hopefully you held on to that bridge a week longer uh with despite fields getting that spot start but yeah cousins has been playing great only less than i would say people because apparently we live in COVID times now like just be careful about holding one thing against the guy and not against anyone else like we knew kirk along with dalvin cook along with i believe alexander madison None of these guys are vaccinated. Like whether or not you think they should be, if you want to hold that against them, great. Go ahead. Just don't only hold it against Kirk and not anyone else that happens to not be vaccinated. Be consistent with that and be consistent with everything else that we're looking at here. Same thing with injuries, same thing with volume. Let's just try to, you know, not let our emotions cloud our fantasy evaluation. Dwayne, we have reached the final game to break down. Rams beating down the Buccaneers 34 to 24. They covered as one point dogs over hit at 55. 
Um, the shishas were flowing for Deshaun Jackson early. Could have had a 70-yard score, but Stafford underthrew him. Then it could have been a 50-yard chance, and it seemed like he kind of lost it in the lights, but it was also another underthrow. Third time was a charm. Love seeing Deshaun Jackson get into the end zone. Looks like it took every single fiber of him not to go yeah. out of his way to Vita taunt. Vea in your lap will cause another. That's right. That's, I, I had that written down. Another, <laughs> Yeah, literally had another 50-yard chance, but Vita Vea was right in his face. So we'll give Stafford definitely a pass for the second one. But yeah, either way, they hooked up. I'm happy, Dwayne. I spent, you know, a lot of uh, eight, round 18 picks in best ball land on Deshaun Jackson. At least I got one week out of him there. But you know what? Deshaun Jackson got his big catch, ended up with 120 yards. Who was the true star of the show? The uh, true star of the show, though, none other than Cooper Cup. Once again, nine catches, 96 yards, and two scores. Unfortunately, the artist known as Bobby Trees had just 33 receiving yards, another five rushing yards, but was once again the clear number two on the day. Matthew Stafford, 343 yards through the air and four scores. Tyler Higby also found his way into the end zone. It seemed like Stafford was pressing a little bit early, but man, came into his own. And this is one of the biggest victories of his freaking career, man. We can talk about Stafford. Stafford not having the same playoff experience, not having the same history or showing up in these big moments. Credit to him for doing so today. On the Buccaneers side of thing, they essentially declined to even try to test uh, this Rams front seven. Nobody had uh, more than five rush attempts. Brady racked up 432 passing yards just on volume alone, ended up dropping back 55 times. And that receiver, Mike Evans got over 100. Chris Goblin got 74 yards, scored their first rushing touchdown of the year. Like, I don't know what Brady has against these backs, but... Brady got a rushing touchdown. Goblin got a rushing touchdown. Don't expect uh, Lombardi Lenny to get many chances at the goal line here moving forward. And the final two notes I have are minor injury scares that we'll need to monitor. Rob Gronkowski took a huge hit in the midsection. I was wondering if he had broken ribs or even a back flare up or whatever. He went back to the locker room and returned because Gronk is a lovable warrior and just loves playing football. So that was good to see. The potential bigger issue, and this happened late in the game, but Giovanni Bernard scored a late touchdown. He just took one of those plays where a guy under, you know, pretty much hit his ankles as he was going to the end zone, flipped him over, seemed to land pretty hard on his hip. Maybe just a wind knocked out of him thing. Maybe it's a bigger injury. We will find out as the week goes on. And it could be pretty important, Dwayne, because man, Gio was dominating usage in a game that for once featured the Buccaneers in some serious comeback mode. Yeah, that's the key, I think. Um, and I've talked about this before, is that I really was worried about Fournette. Really, the entire backfield, if there was ever going to be a time where they really needed to run the two-minute offense more. And that's what we saw today. You know, they trailed on 61 out of their 73 snaps. Yep, 61 out of 73 snaps. They trailed three over three points. So that's far more than what the Bucks are used to. And they're going to lead still plenty, right? Um, but to your point, it, it makes things, it, it really hurts. Fournette because last year when you got into these game scripts Fournette was insulated so he would at least be in the running for hot hand of the week versus Ronald Jones um, worst case you know he'd get 30 40 percent of the attempts you know but there were weeks where he might get 60 percent of the attempts and if the game went wild he was the back that was on the field and passing downs he's not now it's all Geo so Geo was out there 89 percent of the long down and distance he was out there 100 percent of the two minute offense he was actually the most targeted player on the team where he tied for first place with Mike Evans at 19 percent of the targets on the day so Fournette and Ronald Jones just 
it's tough to it's going to be tough to trust any of these bucks despite how good the passing offense is you hit on uh, Gronkowski if he is out if it was adrenaline keeping him going or he got a shot whatever and he has to miss this next week I would expect Cameron Brait to be the player that if you're really hurting it tight end you want to carry somebody for a week it would be Brait not OJ Howard we've seen it each uh, week of this season Brait has actually been the leader over OJ Howard in routes run um, per dropback so I would expect that to continue now, as soon as I say that, actually, O.J. Howard is really Gronkowski's cuff and Braid is just in the same role again next week. But if I had to put like a chip on it, um, a little bitty chip, like not a big chip, I would say that it would be uh, Braid that would benefit the most if Gronk does have to miss time. One other quick, quick note. Um, it was Tyler Johnson really getting more of the work. Um, you know, in the in from a target perspective, but it was split almost evenly between Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller with Antonio Brown out. Antonio Brown should be back, you know, for next week, um, would be my guess. Well, we'll have to see. You know, he'll have to test uh negative two times with uh within 24 hours of each other. Um Sony Michelle did lead the backfield, 74% of the snaps for the Rams, 83% of the rushing attempts, 100 percent of the short down distance, but it was Jake and the Funky Bunch taking over the long down and distance and two-minute offense, 58% of the long down distance, 80% of the two-minute offense. So those roles, That's when Daryl Henderson's not playing, it's probably going to be a split between these two backs. Uh, fingers crossed that Daryl Henderson doesn't come back, and now all of a sudden we have a three-way uh, backfield. Really hoping that's not the case. Higby again. Um, Playing, you know, quite a bit of snaps, 75%. But, man, the routes dropped down to 68%. Now, they led a lot in this game. So, I'm going to just kind of, you know, chalk it up to it's probably more to do with the game script. Johnny Munt was out there. They played a lot of 12 personnel. Not a lot, but more than they have because they were leading, you know, in the second half. So, I'm not going to get too worked up about it. But the big thing I'll talk about here is Robert Woods. Robert Woods, still out there for 85% of the pass plays. And whenever, you know, he was up at like 95% before um, – you know, they got into the fourth quarter. So some of this is, I mean, Cooper Cup was at 90%. So some of this is due to the lead that they were playing with. Um, but 15% um, target share, it was at 20% before uh, the fourth quarter. So Woods is going to be fine, folks. He's still out there plenty. I know it doesn't feel like it, and it's not helping you. Um, but just remember, this isn't Allen Robinson. This is an explosive offense. You've seen, you've seen what it can do to a really good defense. Um, so there are going to be weeks where this is going to be Robert Woods and it's not going to be Cooper Cup. That's really hard to believe right now, right? Everybody's in the mode of, you just can't stop Cooper Cup. Someone's going to stop Cooper Cup. I promise you. Guess what? All teams are going to watch that over these next couple of weeks that are preparing for the Rams, who are they going to see on their screen every play? It'll be Cooper Cup, and that's who they're going to prepare to stop. Will they all be able to do it? No. But eventually, there will be a team that will take away Cooper Cup, and it's going to be Robert Woods. Like, he's the next best player, unless you believe that at 29 years old, he's just fallen off the planet Earth. Totally possible, but not likely. That's not usually where wide receivers hit their wall, right? They start a slow decline, really starting in 30, 31. Then at age 32, 33, 34 is where the cliff typically comes. So I believe that Robert Woods is still in the right spot as far as being in the prime of his career. He plays in a great offense. I expect his time to come. I would absolutely target him low. This is one of those things where you have to believe in the underlying data. You cannot let the box score fool you. Um, and I'm not saying Cooper Cup's not great. I think Cooper Cup's going to be a top 12 receiver for sure for the year right now. Like he's number one overall. He could be top six easily. So I'm not saying Cup, Cup is just going to fall off the planet, but I do believe that Robert Woods has more value than what folks are going to think right now. And I would definitely be buying. Buy low on Robert Woods. Bobby Trees, 
people. Look at what can happen in the NFL. You can have, you know, just a crazy example. I don't know. Really good second-year receiver that everyone's hyping up, thinking he's in for a great year. And all of a sudden, he's in the coach's doghouse in week one, playing behind something named Trent Sherfield. And then nothing changes in week two. And then in week three, Brandon Nayuk has four catches, 37 yards, and a touchdown on six targets by the halfway point of the third quarter. Let's go, Dwayne. He's back. He's Let's back. Go. He scored in front of Jair Alexander, man. That's great. Yeah, man. That is awesome. That's I haven't been able to look over at the screen very much, but then – that's what we need for Mayu because we weren't going to put him into our lineup until, and this keeps me from having to cut him this week. Yes. So this is good. <laughs> Wanted to end this pod on a positive note. We started one on a little bit sour with the whole field thing, but we will, as always, watch the film and get better. Final PFF Lily matchup stat. Uh, hey, people, maybe you disagree with Dwayne and I and you think Cooper Cup's going to keep on keeping on. If that is the case, his current 17 game pace, 181 targets, 142 receptions, 2,080 yards, and 28 receiving touchdowns. I don't know, Dwayne. I feel like a good chunk of that might go to Robert Woods. Maybe not. Maybe not. But I think it just might. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, which is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. Are you focused on your roster moves? Western and Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team out to identify your needs and address your goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Dwayne, we've made it through our second of these game-by-game breakdowns. What are you going to do now? You go to Disney World and just celebrate, drink? <laughs> no, because i got to wake up early and write the utilization report. I'm like, I'm sending George a note. Hey, make sure you send me the data really early <laughs> so I can get started, so I can finish it. Uh, I'll God, we live, we live such updates. sick lives, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give folks like a few quick updates just real quick. On the Niners game, as we leave, Trey Sermon has been out there for 22 out of 40 snaps, so just a little bit over half. Kyle Juszczyk has been out there for 28 of them and has three rushing attempts. I wanted to end on a positive note, Dwayne. You're not helping. I'm not done, man. Come on. Like, <laughs> I'm working my way up to positive. I know what you're trying to do here. Uh, yeah, so I uh, Debo Samuel still getting his normal thing. Uh, George Kittle getting his normal work uh, out there every single snap, out there nearly every single passing route. And Brandon Ayuk out there for all except one of Jimmy Garoppolo's dropbacks. So there's your positive ending. Uh, you know, Ian, just tie, tie your bow on it. Don't let me talk anymore. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.